0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game.
1: 1037
0: Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Wild Wednesday on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Matt Miguez here. You're listening to The Game. 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, it is Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. What's going on? (coughs) Excuse me. I'm sorry. What's going on? Welcome to your Wednesday edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Matt Miguez once again, the producer extraordinaire and the co-host with the most... James, I'm not, I'm not sure what happened there.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know what happened. You just you caught a frog in your throat. Yeah, like
1: it, immediately somebody just grabbed my throat and I was like, oh, <clears throat> excuse me. But no, we're good now. So what's going on, buddy? Not too much. How about you? I'm good, man. I'm good. It is a Wednesday. It we are is. we are halfway through the work week. My dudes. Which means that we are one step I caught what you did there. Don't don't think that I overlooked it. No, I um, I, I could tone your eyes. Uh we are we are halfway to Saints football. I mean, preseason, but it's still Saints football.
2: I was going to say. Now, you didn't watch it as much as I did, but I watched quite a bit of that Hall of Fame game. So, football is football. Yeah, no. And I'm, I'm, and I'm also curious to see who stands out in the games and has a likely chance of making the roster. You see, that's like with college football. People
1: knock week zero. Look, man, that might be Hawaii and central Ohio. I'm still going to watch it. It's college football. I, I don't care. I don't care what I got to do. I'm still going to watch it. Anyways, great show lined up for you today. We're going to talk a lot of football because you know that, that's what you that's what you do in August. Um, at four thirty, Matt Humans from VSEN. He's a college football betting expert. He will join us. We will look at the college football betting guide that VSEN put out, and we'll get his take on a litany of topics from LSU to Alabama and the Cajuns to App State and so on and so forth. And then at 5.30, what would a Wednesday be if we didn't talk to Brendan Ertle? Who'd Wednesday at 5.30? I mean, there's a lot to get to in that segment. I mean, the Saints have made some questionable moves here over the last, you know, Twenty four hours. Most recently releasing Malcolm Brown. I I don't agree with that move.
2: That just shows how much they are all in on Abram Smith.
1: I hope, man. I I really hope. I want Abram Smith to work out. But past experiences and past history
2: leads in I, that direction of being I, I good. Can't. What do you mean? I just I have Pierre Thomas. Kyrie Robinson. Uh, I'm, Ky- I'm Kyrie Robinson. Dude, Kyrie Robinson was,
0: uh, he was good. He was good. Uh, was he had, Chris he had Ivory, good, he was had Chris Ivory drafted?
2: Chris Ivory was drafted. Okay, but it was a late-round pick. Yeah. Like, you can so, get solid production I'll, I'll from running you, backs. I will
1: give you Pierre. I will give you Pierre. I will not give you Kyrie Robinson. Look at Look at Lance Moore. After receiver, totally different ballgame.
2: It, it's it's still players that are and but up.
1: but also keep in mind of this, this is not a Sean Payton selection. I would feel a lot better about it if it was a Sean Payton selection. It's a Dennis Allen selection. Now I'm not knocking Dennis Allen. It sounds but, like it, but Sean Payton had a track record of taking undrafted talent and turning him into something. Dennis Allen does not have that track
2: record. Drew through to four different undrafted free agents. In one game on Thanksgiving against the Falcons it's it's astonishing that you know that 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 game will forever be hilarious to me because it go. it he went to he threw it to Tommy Lee Lewis he threw yeah. it to uh, Keith Kirkwood yeah he threw it to that backup tight end forgot his name you still had Colston then didn't you yeah but Colson was a seventh-round pick no that was 2017 he's gone oh you're right
1: you're right and Colston was no no, no that
2: was 2018
1: you had kirkwood you had tommy lee lewis he hit that backup, tight end was it dan arnold i think dan it was dan arnold. arnold
2: yeah the other receiver uh what's his name now i'm trying to now i'm trying to figure that out we're going on tangents anyways
1: so couple things we're going to get to today we've got some lsu sound we've got some sound from the saints we've got some astros controversy to get to and your phone calls, 706-0111 if you want to jump on the game hotline. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS. Fiber. Austin Carr. Austin Carr. Hey, I liked Austin Carr. Okay, I, I don't think he ever got a fair shake in this offense. It's unfair, and I demand that
2: his age be reversed and he gets a a second chance. Here's another receiver that you probably forgot about but I absolutely loved Joe Morgan. Didn't forget about Joe Morgan at all. Loved Loved Joe Joe Morgan. Morgan. Yes, jinx. (laughs) Absolutely loved his game. That 2012 play against the Buccaneers deep down the right Mm -hmm. sideline makes one guy miss and then flips the other guy as he's recovering from ducking from another guy insane yeah oh absolutely like he barely touched the ball but when he touched it it was like a 50 yard touchdown because he was the deep ball guy that's the only thing he could do but I loved it so we'll talk about Astros in the second hour but I do need to
1: get this out because this is massive news are you talking about Mancini no oh Lance McCullers Jr. has been activated Oh. And will start against the Oakland A's on Saturday. I know you're excited. He's back. LMJ43, baby. And you know what day it is? Today is JV Day. Yeah, it is. Today is JV Day. The Astros will play the Rangers tonight, 7-10 first pitch, which means pregame show at 640. And you can hear it all right here on the game. Last night's game for the Astros. Since we're since we're talking about that real quick, uh, it didn't start great. You know, you you went in there feeling kind of confident with Jose Arquidi on the bump, but then when he gave up three bombs in five innings and the Astros were down four to nothing, you said, "Oh, okay." But then in came Elitmus Diaz to hit a grand slam which woke up the offense and ended up the Astros ended up winning that game 7 to 5 due to the Astros offense getting a hold of Martin Perez. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. The big news though, Lance McCullers Jr. will be back in the rotation and will start on Saturday against the Oakland Athletics. James, here's a piece of news that I know you are just Itching to get to. Kevin Durant has said that he views the Celtics as a desired
2: landing spot. You want to piss me off, don't you? Hey. You want you want me to cry. Hey, man. I'd Celtics coach
1: Ime Udoka was an assistant under Steve Nash in Brooklyn during 2020 and 2021. Before he landed the Celtics job, Durant also played with Celtics star Jason Tatum at the 2021 Olympics. The Celtics reports indicate that the Celtics have offered a package built around Jalen Brown.
2: No, no, stop doing that. Stop. Let him go to Phoenix. Let him go to Miami. Let him deal with that problem. I don't want him. Stop putting him in the news. This is a gift and a curse of always having the Celtics in these type of trade talks.
1: Well, and you know what's funny? Okay, so he said that the Celtics were a desired landing spot. Fine. Then why Whatever. didn't you want to come the first time? Well, that's question number one. But then, here's you another. You think we were good enough? Here's another report. The 76ers. Are we really going to try the Kevin Durant
2: and James Harden experiment over again? It's just instead of Kyrie, who's going to miss half the games. You got Joel Embiid who could potentially miss half the games. Like, are
1: are we really going to just rewrite the same story in a different town?
2: What sense does that make? At least it's someone nearby. I don't know. Like, that's, that's so... The definition of insanity is what, James? Trying to do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different output. Thank you. You can't do
1: the same exact thing that you have done for Kevin Durant's entire career, minus two years, where he walked into a championship, and expect something different to happen. You just can't. That's not how it works. If Kevin Durant wants to win a championship, that people will be impressed by. He needs to find a way to do it in Brooklyn.
2: I was going to say, because he would just be pulling the same thing almost as he did when he went to the Warriors. He's If he goes to the Celtics, he would be going to a team that just lost the finals, but at least they made it. They just need that little extra oomph. Or, but the or only better thing, yet. But the only thing is about that is you'd be trading one of your key pieces that right. got you there. Right.
1: Or Or better yet, if you're Kevin Durant why don't you take a page out of LeBron James's playbook and the one thing that I actually respect LeBron James for, go back to Oklahoma City and win a title there. Finish what you couldn't do the first time. Win a title at Oklahoma City, and then you can be in that goat conversation that people love to put Kevin Durant in for reasons I'll never understand. But going to Boston, or or teaming up with old Jimmy Harden, Jimmy. in in Philly,
2: gets you nowhere. And that and that's that actually could work with Oklahoma City. I don't know if they'd welcome him back. I am sure they would if they ultimately did it. But they have plenty of capital, whether it's draft or young talent. You are not lying; they still have fourteen draft picks over the next four years. Like you could part with some, and you could part with some talent if you really want to get KD back. That and, it, and then have a reunion after
1: being divorced. It it is scary how much draft capital Oklahoma City still possesses.
2: I think they had like twenty seven. It was seventeen, but like twenty seven total picks, first and second rounders. Oh, it was. You're right, because it was seventeen first rounders, and I and I think twenty seven in total with the first and second rounders. That, like they they just had a whole. They had like three war chests.
1: So that that's when you just go, hey, hey what's your what's your price? What do you want? What what you you want five of them here? Here's the here's the check. Right, Five like Five first, two seconds. Here you go.
2: All of Matt Miguez's money. Here oh, you
1: go. whoa, 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 whoa. You you act like that's a lot or something. <laughs> Jesus, the Saints have waived Bryce Thompson with an injury designation. Thompson had to be carted off the field midway through yesterday's
2: practice with an apparent lower leg injury. That's not good. That's not good news. No, cuz I remember Brennan, that's a player that he was looking mm-hmm. forward to to hopefully make the roster. Mm-hmm. So that him and DeMarco Jackson which DeMarco it's not looking like a little 3 week thing that I didn't about. say I didn't say he was going to only miss 3 weeks. I was saying IR is you're going to miss roughly about 3 weeks at the minimum. So because of that, the because you're not playing in the preseason games, you're more likely not going to make the roster. So if this is going to be a full season long injury, yeah, you, he's just going to be on IR and then have to try again next year and at worst be on the practice squad. Yep.
1: Yeah. Poll question of the day, you know, our, our poll questions have kind of started to sound repetitive, so we decided to to change it up a little bit. Give us your favorite Football movie. Is it Friday Night Lights? Is it Any Given Sunday? Is it Remember the Titans? Or is it other? So far, 33% of you say Remember the Titans. 25% say Any Given Sunday. 17% say Friday Night Lights. And we've got two comments on the poll question. One from Tan, who says The Replacements. By the way, if you've never seen The Replacements, do yourself a favor. Keanu Reeves playing a washed up, turned, resurrected quarterback. It's absolutely incredible. It's a great movie. And the Cajun Dad says Replacements was a great movie. There are so many others that it it's hard to pick just one. Varsity Blues, Underdog, all the right moves. Johnny B. Good, Rudy. Never heard of Johnny B. Good. So if somebody knows about that can fill me in because I've never heard of of that Varsity Blues Underdog All the Right Moves I've heard of those Johnny B Good Rudy's obviously a classic
2: Five Names is going to go Airbud Airbud
1: Yeah Hey yeah. I mean look a dog that can shoot hoops and catch a football catch a football score goals on a soccer pitch like I mean man that's it's a talented dog
2: Who's Third prim- strikeouts. Primetime who? Wait, what? Primetime
1: who? Primetime who? That's funny. Air Bud. Oh, Greatest of all time.
2: Best athlete ever.
1: Going to be a stacked show today. Going to have a lot of fun. Once again, call in on the hotline 706-0111. If you're looking for somewhere to watch the Saints game on Saturday night, look no further than the Hangout Sports Pub. Youngsville's newest place to hang out with friends and catch all the games. It's a local neighborhood bar right there on Fortune Road in Youngsville. NFL and college games on the TVs. They've been opening at 6.30 in the morning on the weekends to play Premier League soccer. Drink specials daily, live entertainment on the weekends. Burgers, pepper jack boudin balls, loaded fries, Southwest egg rolls. They've got it all. Great menu, great food, great staff. Hangout Sports Pub in Youngsville is definitely a place that you need to add to your list of game day stops if you were looking for a new spot to catch the games. And when you go, tell our guy Casey that Miguez and Mesh sent you. Uh, he will be appreciative of that And once again, great new sports bar in Youngsville, the Hangout Sports Pub, 1004 Fortune Road off of Bona in Youngsville. We'll take a timeout right here, and when we return, we will head over to Baton Rouge, and we'll hear from former Como and Southside star Malik Neighbors. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, Jimmy Mesh. It's 23 minutes after four o'clock. I did that because James doesn't like it when I call him Jimmy. Try again.
2: Jimmy. Try again. Jim Bob. Try again. Jimmo. Try again. Jimmer. Try again. Jamie. Try again.
1: <laughs> oh, James. What's up, buddy? Oh, what's
2: up, dude? How you doing?
1: Oh my god. Anyways. LSU Tigers, yesterday we, we had a conversation with or or about Malik Neighbors, former Como and Southside star, now making an impact in Baton Rouge. Yesterday he was asked how there's always seems to be a competition in the wide receiver room.
3: Our room is, you know, we always want to compete. We go as the offense goes. So just putting receivers in different roles, you know, Jare goes to the slot, I go to the outside. You know, we're just trying to get like different ways that we can put players in different spots so we can compete. You know, there's always competition when you're out there with your brother, you know, like when we, when we was working by ourselves, you know, we was competing always. So I mean, when we take that here at LSU, you know, we bringing that over from Lafayette to here. So, you know, we know each other, but it's always, you know, we just trying to compete with each other, just to so we can help each other out playing the game.
1: Malik Neighbors also spent some time talking about his wide receiver coach, in Cortez Hankton.
3: Cortez bring energy, a lot of energy. You know, he's always on, always on ten when he come out. So you know, he helped us get our energy flowing and practicing because if he helping us get our energy we can you know stay focused to practice to get our have our energy stable up because if we low then the team low because we go as a team go. yes sir a lot of you got to stay focused <laughs> of course he always 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 asking you questions just trying to give you a different look just trying to help keep your head like strong just look on the game God.
1: James you came from Ove Como High School What's it mean for you to watch a kid from Como like Malik Neighbors you know, excel at the college
2: level? Oh, I love it. It's good to see. I also was rooting for another wide receiver whenever – I think he was a junior or senior when I was a freshman, Hunter Register. Yeah. He was a standout, and then he didn't get too much recognition down here, and he ultimately went up to Minnesota, I believe. Yeah, he went to Minnesota. So it's always good to see someone, especially – from your high school and at least your area. I mean, there's plenty of STM cougars, but like seeing a Como Spartan that that takes it to a whole nother level because it was like he's he's younger than me, but I mean shoot, we I was a, either a junior or senior when he was a freshman, so it was like we yeah. were at school at the same time and that's just that's just something to think about and it's really cool. I can
1: remember playing basketball against Hunter.
2: And that was
1: wow. Hunter was a freak athlete. Yeah, big dude. Freak athlete. And his brother Hayward was a three-point machine at Como and then at UL. They, uh, his nickname on the UL basketball team was Cash because if, if he got the ball in the corner, it was absolute money every single time. Back to Malik Neighbors, though. He spent some time talking about his – Acadiana colleague, cohort, whatever word you want to use, Keshawn bute being back in the lineup.
3: It's good to have Keshawn back. You know, we need Keshawn on the outside, you know, to have that spot. I mean, he takes defenses around because, you know, they have to look around. So just having him back, he took the role of accountability, you know, being a leader with number seven. So, you know, him being a leader, when we see him do something right, you know, he always energizing the receivers to go harder.
1: James getting closer and closer to that September 4th game against Florida State, you know, talking about LSU watching camp and and learning, you know, the way things have been going down in Baton Rouge over the last couple of days. Has your opinion
2: about this season changed at all? I really need to see more consistent play and I want I also want to see who's going to be the quarterback. Because right now Miles Brennan's in the back half of the depth chart. I really think, I really think it's going to be Jaden Daniels. And the more... I, I I took the effort to do more of a look at Jaden. And you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of a thinner Russell Wilson. Yeah. Because just watching his deep ball... Very it's, similar it's play styles, a, It's yeah. a very high arcing deep ball where it just drops right into the breadbasket. It's not a line drive. It doesn't have some arc. It's a moonshot, and it drops right where it needs to be when he, whenever he throws a deep. And people are saying he doesn't have a good arm. It's going 50, 50 plus yards. That's a pretty solid arm. I don't know about you. I can only throw it about forty. You can only throw it about the same distance. Like he's got a stronger arm. He's a lot more accurate. And it reminds me of a top five, top ten QB in the NFL right now, in Russell Wilson.
1: Yeah, I mean the distance doesn't matter if you can't, if you can't throw it accurately. I mean, I'd rather a quarterback that could throw it 30 yards and throw it accurately than a guy that could throw it 50 or 60 and doesn't put it on the money.
2: Right? Right. So Because it's like, just because you can throw it far, I mean, is it getting where it needs to go. Right. That's ultimately really what it comes down to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then also the, the way that Jane
1: Daniels can move the pocket and use his feet is really what Brian Kelly is looking for. Uh so I don't I personally think it's gonna be Jaden Daniels. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Garrett Nussmeyer. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Miles Brennan. I can tell you one guy that it's not though, it's not gonna be Walker Howard. No,
2: he's he's fourth on the depth chart. He's redshirting. No one's talking about him. I mean you, well, you gotta redshirt him. Because that's the plan. Exactly. That's what I'm saying.
1: Nobody's talking about him because the plan all along has been for him to sit and lie in wait, because man, next year we're gonna be talking about Walker
2: Howard. I was gonna say I can see it being like this: like either J- Jaden starts, so then Garrett sits, and with that happening, whenever it comes to next season, Miles is gonna be gone, Jaden's gonna be gone, and then you have a, a big two-man competition between Garrett again, and now you got Walker. So it's like this is your third year, Garrett, but here's Walker, who's just as talented. And to, See, it, and is going to give you a real competition.
1: People are worried that if Garrett Nussmeyer doesn't start this year, he's transferring.
2: Which is what I thought. I thought just go do it now. I mean, which you're you're already in a big three man. Right. He's definitely shown a lot more improvement than I thought he would. But I, I I've always thought since last year, like he won't be here for very long. No,
1: he won't. The game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The red-hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles Saturday, August 27th, and you could be there. All you got to do is register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Second timeout, Matt Eumanns of V will join us on the other side here on the game. 237 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Had a rough day at work, got lady problems. Not to worry, cause you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: We're back on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 35 minutes after the hour. College football just a couple weeks away, and this is the first college football season that fans in Louisiana can bet on legally. That is, so let's talk some betting odds and some high, some college football numbers with our guy from Vsin, Mr. Matt Eumans. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time, man. How you doing?
4: Yeah, you had to make sure I'm throwing the word legally because all uh, for a long time. Uh, but yeah it's it's something that's uh, spreading across the nation and um, it's a lot easier for people just to uh, pick up a phone or uh, go to the local casino and got college football now and I think that's a good thing for a lot of people
1: yeah no no question about it definitely looking forward to that opportunity but Matt, question number one for you uh-huh. going in going into this season just kind of give me your thoughts on and expectations on college football this year
4: on college football. And I'll kind of start there because um, I have high expectations for a couple of teams in your area. Speaking of the LSU and Ole Miss, two of the teams uh, I like a lot. Sorry, I had to put the phone down there for a minute. There's a, a state of highway patrolman driving by me. Can't drive and talk on the cell phone at the same time. But uh, Ole Miss I thought really killed it. Lane Kippen killed it in the transfer portal. And when you're evaluating and handicapping these uh, college football teams now, it's a little bit different than it was in the past because you don't, I don't think, put the same emphasis on returning starters. And that's where I think you're going to find a lot of value in a team like Old Miss this year because you have a low number of returning starters. But with the transfer portal, you can reload immediately, and that's what I think Lane Kiffin's doing. And for those who haven't seen him play yet, Jackson Dart is going to be the new quarterback for the Rebels, a transfer from USC, this kid can really play, and I think he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks. I want to say top five, top, top top ten quarterbacks in college football in the next year or two. And uh, Lane Kiffin's offense is going to pick up where it left off. I know a lot of people think, well, Matt Corral's gone. He lost a lot of starters. This team's going to take a step back. I don't think so. I actually believe uh, Ole Miss could be third or fourth best team in the SEC this year. And I played Ole Miss over seven and a half wins. LSU, I think Brian Kelly's going to get this thing uh, turned back around quickly. And it's not like uh, the Tigers were in the dumpster last season. Uh, obviously, a lot of things were going wrong off the field. It wasn't an LSU uh, type of season, but there's still a ton of talent in that program. And Brian Kelly's a guy who did a really good job bringing in talent in the transfer portal, and he's got three quarterbacks who I think can play. And if you look at his last four years at Notre Dame when Brian Kelly was the betting favorite, he was forty and one straight up in those games. He does not lose games. He's supposed to win. And uh, some of my LSU insiders are really high on this team as well. I played LSU over six-and-a-half wins and uh, also minus two-and-a-half against Florida State in that first game of the season at the Superdome. So those are two of the teams I'm really high on, LSU and uh, Mississippi. And uh, as far as that goes, you know, college football sometimes is not that intriguing to handicap at the top. Because you talk Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and then uh, who's the fourth team going to be? Is it going to be Georgia? Is it going to be Oklahoma? So I, I really never recommend playing anything on the futures board uh, because I don't think there's a lot of value there. It's kind of like the same five or six favorites every year in college football when you're talking about the playoff. But if there's a team outside that group this year that I think is going to got a chance to surprise some people, it's Utah. And uh, Utah's got a quarterback – and Cameron Rising, who uh, I think has a chance to become a, a legitimate Heisman candidate, and he's at 100-to-1 odds right now. He can run it. He can throw it with accuracy. He's a great leader. When he stepped in as a starting quarterback uh, last year, I think in week number uh, – he came in a relief in week number three and started week number four. Utah averaged 38 points a game on offense after, after Rising took over. They lost uh, The Utes lost a shootout to Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Uh, Kyle Whittingham has done a nice job bringing in uh, transfers as well. He's got a uh, always one of the best defensive coaches, if not the best, in the Pac-12. And uh, I think Utah's got uh, the best or the second-best running back in the Pac-12 in Tavion Thomas. Watch out for this Utah team. It's going to be a tough game. It's a tough way to open the season at the Swamp against Florida. And Utah's a two-point favorite at Florida in that first game of the year. But if the Utes win that game, watch out. They're going to go on a run and win 10 or 11. And I played Utah over nine season wins and also to win the Pac-12. A lot of people think USC is a favorite to win the Pac-12. I think Utah is a team to beat.
2: Now, going back to the Tigers, M- guys <laughs> and I, we have kind of have a little discussion on who the starting QB will be. Uh, Matt likes Jane Daniels. I've kind of been going back and forth between Miles Brennan and Garrett Nussmeier, I was curious, who do, you, who do you predict will be the starting QB?
4: That's interesting because I did have uh, somebody who's got connections to LSU's program said that Brian Kelly likes Nussmeyer quite a bit. But also, uh, I think that he's probably not the favorite to win the job. And, you know, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if Kelly actually rotates some quarterbacks early in the season until he finds a guy he's most comfortable with. It looks like he's going to fit the system and the talent this first year where Kelly uh, it might not be the guy he thinks is the best fit long-term, but the guy who can help him win the most games this year. And maybe that ends up, ends up being Jaden Daniels. But I'll, I'll tell you this about Daniels. He's very mobile, and a very talented kid, especially if you watch him as a freshman when he led Arizona State to that win at Michigan State. And it looked like he was going to be a star and a Heisman candidate. He has really regressed as a passer the last couple of years. And um in that Herm Edwards offense for the Sun Devils. I think Brian Kelly is the guy that can maximize his talent and really get him turned around. So he's got a ton of potential. I I can't say how it's going to work out right now, but actually one thing I like about LSU is you have three guys who can play, and I I think who Kelly's going to have confidence in. And that's why when you're betting a win total over, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket on this one quarterback who if that one quarterback goes down, the team is screwed. I think LSU's got three guys it can win games with, and that's why it's such a major positive.
1: From a betting perspective, Matt, what are some other SEC teams that, that have kind of impressed you early on headed into the season? You know, a lot of people are talking about A&M. Who do you like?
4: Uh, let's say A&M's expectations are so high. I, I really stayed away from that team uh, because uh, I'd still, I'm, I'm looking for – I try to look above – or excuse me, I try to look below – teams at the top of the conference to try to find value, and that's why I think Mississippi is one of those teams. Uh, also, I think South Carolina could be a team on the rise. I, I don't love Spencer Rattler as a quarterback, but I do like to coach a lot, and I think uh, the Gamecocks are going to be a team that's much improved. Tennessee, right now I've got Tennessee power-rated number 11, which surprised me a little bit because I did my college football power ratings about a month ago, and I'm still tweaking the numbers a little bit. Maybe I'm a little bit too high on Tennessee. But I've got the Volunteers at number eleven, and um, I know some people, some others who I respect, have them that high, and some others who don't, who have Tennessee outside the top twenty. But I and I know the Volunteers lost that bowl game to Purdue; it was a shootout game, and that was a little bit of a downer to finish the season. But uh, the Volunteers got a lot of upside, I believe. And uh, the only other win total I can tell you, I think I bet in the SEC was I bet Alabama over ten and a half, and. Uh, to me, it was just an auto play. If you look at the if you look at the Tide, I think you got the best quarterback in the country in Bryce Young. You got the best defensive player, Will Anderson. You got a ton of depth. Nick Saban talked about how last year was a rebuilding year, and <laughs> look how it ended up for Bama. So the win total was ten and a half at DraftKings. Uh, I played that over at minus two twenty five. I think it would be a disappointing year for Alabama to go eleven and one, and still the Tide's probably going to make the college football playoff even with that. But. Alabama is going to be at least a 14-point favorite in every game this season. Uh, I'll play over 10-and-a-half on a coach like Nick Saban all day uh, with the talent he's got to work with. So it's a little bit of a square play to say Bama over 10-and-a-half, but I thought that number should be 11-and-a-half because uh, really Alabama should be 12-and-0 going to the SEC championship game. But outside of that, I'll, I'll tell you that uh, last year I was pretty high on Arkansas going into it. And I loved Arkansas in that early season game against Texas. Right now, the Razorbacks are not going to catch teams by surprise like they did a year ago. I think uh, Ole Miss and LSU are going to be the teams uh, for me to watch uh, going into it, where expectations are a little bit lower. uh, But I like both coaches quite a bit.
1: Now, you spent some time talking about Alabama, who's got a win total of over 10.5. Now... Georgia winning the national championship last year over Alabama. How do you see that matchup kind of playing out this year, considering that they're two of the favorites to return to that title game?
4: Well, I'm not quite as high on Georgia. I think after you win the championship, it takes a little bit of the edge off. And um, I also think Georgia was a little bit lucky and that Bama had some uh, key injuries there uh, late, especially in the championship game. And I'm I'm not the president of the Kirby Smart fan club. I still think that guy makes some major game management blunders when it matters. It's kind of hard to pick on him right now because he's a national championship coach. But um, Kirby Smart's uh, not a bet-on guy to me when he goes up against somebody like Nick Saban. I still like Alabama better. Um, you know. But I don't think there's a lot of value to handicapping Georgia either way right now. Uh, the only the only reason I played Alabama over ten and a half is I thought the oddsmakers uh, set a bad number there. It should have been eleven. Should have been eleven and a half. And uh, ten and a half to me looks like a layup. I don't, I don't see how Alabama does any worse than eleven and a one. 11 and one. I don't see it. It would not surprise me if Georgia gets upset a couple times because I, I do think there's that tendency to lose your edge after you win a championship. So I'm not quite as high on Georgia.
1: Chat with Matt Eumann, a college football analyst from VSN. Matt, another conference we play we pay close attention to here in Southwest Louisiana is the Sun Belt. Four new teams joining the Sun Belt Conference this year. Louisiana defending their first outright conference championship. What are the expectations for the Cajuns and really for the Sun Belt as a whole?
4: I don't really know. You caught me off guard with that one because I haven't done much work on the Sun Belt yet. Uh, so. I can't really get into detail. We we do a V-CIN college football betting guide, and we divide up the conferences. And uh, I did not work on the Sun Belt, and uh, somebody else did, so I can't really. I would have to, if you want to call me next week, I could probably get into that a little bit more. But uh, like I said, up there's 131 college football teams, and I think I've done my work on about 100 of those, so i still got a little bit left to do in the Sun Belt's one of those conferences.
1: Yeah, that's not a problem. So what are some... Other teams, you know, in the college football landscape, you know, maybe a Big Twelve school or a Pac Twelve school to, to look out for in the in the betting race or, or in the in the championship odds.
4: I think the, I think the Big Twelve's intriguing because you got so many toss-up type of games, and it's not. There it used to be Oklahoma and Texas and everybody else, and it's not that way at all anymore. I, I actually think of the new high-profile programs. Brent Venables at Oklahoma is the guy most likely to underachieve. you got a new coach, new quarterback. You know, last year with Lincoln Riley calling the plays and Caleb Williams, the quarterback for the most part, the Sooners escaped in a lot of close games. And I think that's what people tend to forget. A lot of games, I think it was like seven games, decided by seven points or less, and the Sooners won six of those. I have to double-check that number, but it was something like that. And now with Venables, who's unproven as a head coach, bet Oklahoma under nine and a half wins. I think that's a really good bet. I'm also going to play K-State over six and a half. Um, Chris Kleiman's a hell of a head coach at Kansas State, and he's got Adrian Martinez, to transfer from Nebraska quarterback. And Martinez has been really inconsistent. But I think Kleiman's uh, the type of guy who can, kind of like Brian Kelly's going to do with Jaden Daniels possibly, is uh, turn Martinez around in the right direction and bring the best out of him. And he also got one of the best running backs in the country, and Vaughn, to work with. I break down these schedules quite a bit. I don't want to get into it in depth. It's kind of boring to talk about it on the radio sometimes. But I think Ole Miss, when you break down that schedule, should be 6-1 and one through seven games. And you're talking about a win total of 7.5. Uh, when you look at Kansas State, uh, a win total of 6.5, I think K-State's got a great shot to get to eight wins. And um, that's another one of the win total bets. I like the best. Baylor, obviously off the uh, Big 12 championship, was an underdog in that conference title game and took down Oklahoma State. Uh, Texas, I think, is going to be really talented offensively. I still have a lot of questions about that defense. But there are a lot of coin flip type games in the Big 12 this year. And uh, I think Oklahoma's the team most likely to disappoint uh, a lot of people. A team with high expectations, I I don't think is going to get there. I'm looking for the Sooners to take a step back in the Big Ten, it looks like Ohio State and everybody else. I'm trying to find a team that I think can challenge the Buckeyes. I really don't think Wisconsin's got the quarterback to do it. Uh, I'm not sure if Penn State's got the elite defense it's had at times in the past to uh, take down the Buckeyes. And uh, I'm not a complete believer in Michigan yet. We saw the Wolverines get embarrassed in the college football playoff, and I'm not completely sold on that team. So I think it's it's going to be kind of Ohio State. Running away from the pack in the uh, in the Big Ten, the question for me is going to be: Can Utah be that team to sneak in as the fourth in the playoffs? And because um, right now you're going to pencil in Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia as the four playoff teams. One of those teams is going to disappoint. I don't know if Utah is going to be the one that can sneak in there and be the fourth spot. Maybe it's Texas. I'm at both in hell. Uh, Texas has gone under its season win total. I think seven of the last eight years. So I have to see it to believe it with the Longhorns. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much uh, the way I'm looking at college football at this point. Utah is my uh, my team to watch on the West Coast.
1: Matt, very quickly, one more. Mm-hmm. Give me give me your Heisman favorite.
4: The favorite, I think, has got to be Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback. But I would not bet him at the odds of about nine to two, you know, four to one in that range. Do you guys think Will Anderson can be the first defensive player in a long time to win the Heisman? I think it's possible. I really think he's the best player in college football, the most impactful player. Will Anderson was as high as forty to one to win the Heisman. I think now he's around twenty to one. I've actually got a ticket on him to win the Heisman, and I got a ticket on Cameron Young excuse me, Cameron Rising, the Utah quarterback, to win at 100-1. to uh, Bryce Young would have to be my favorite, though.
1: Matt humans the college football betting analyst for Vsin. Matt, really appreciate you taking the time. Great work as always, and uh, we'll talk to you again.
4: Hey, you bet. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it.
1: Matt humans we'll take a timeout, wrap up hour number one right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station welcome back It's crush time with Miguez mesh right here on the game 237 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana sports station your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros Matt Miguez James mesh 55 minutes after four o'clock got a couple minutes left in our number one let's update the poll question favorite football movie of all time
2: James Give first of all, give me yours. One that I always go back to is the longest yard, the Adam Sandler version, at least. Oh, okay. You 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 ruined it. I like Friday Night Lights, and I or I like the Remember the Titans, amazing movie. But I'm just I'm so big on comedies. Seeing Adam Sandler sports movies is always funny to me, it's just one that's easy to go back to. D. Mula says, remember the Titans is the only valid answer. Steve, That's my buddy.
1: Steve Flint says, any given Sunday. Caleb Broussard says, the longest yard. He's going to have to say Burt Reynolds or Adam Sandler. Matthew Broussard says, the program. And then the Cajun dad chimed in and told us that we need to check out Johnny B. Good. So, so far... On the poll question, 39% say remember the Titans, 21% say any given Sunday, 17% say Friday Night Lights. Oh, and Raymond Parsh III chimed in and said necessary roughness or the original longest yard. The original is a hundred times better. Our number one in the books. Our number two on the other side. We're gonna do Who Dat Wednesday with Brendan Ertle at 5:30. You're listening to the game 1037 Laugh Yet. One zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game.
1: 1037
0: Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Yeah, 1041 one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 5.02 on a Wednesday. My dudes. So, hour number one, we spent some time talking about LSU. We talked some college football betting. We talked about Kevin Durant. I've got a question, though. James, looking at the Astros, can somebody please explain to me how Trey Mancini is not in the lineup again for the second night in a row? Look, last night, you want to give him the night off? Fine. It's a 162-game season. It's a long year. I get guys getting nights off. That's fine. Again, against a struggling pitcher.
2: I mean, James, you, you got you got anything on this? Well, if it's a struggling pitcher and you you know you don't really need everybody out there, you you save them for a little bit. Well,
1: the Astros have been struggling to score runs lately. I mean, think about it. They scored seven last night, but four of them came on one swing of the bat.
2: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't it, have I don't it, have an answer for it. It's weird because it, you traded for him, so you'd assume he would be in the in the starting lineup. So more times than not, the Astros—it's it's been half the time. So the Astros
1: have played eight games. Yeah, since the trade deadline,
2: he's only played four of them.
1: Blows my mind. Blows my mind. And again, Yuli Guriel has come alive a little bit as of late. I'm fine with seeing him in the lineup.
2: Are we sure he's not injured and they just haven't disclosed anything? I mean, I guess that could be an op- uh, a reason. Because um, oftentimes, athletes are injured and sometimes they just play through the injury and we just don't know. But then there are sometimes players aren't out there. They don't give a reason, so people are suspicious. But really, it was just an injury the whole time. Sometimes it's just they try to keep it under wraps unless the media just like hounds them for them and be like, wow, what's wrong? What's, what's up? What's up? What's up? You see, I'd be hounding them. Like, how do you
1: trade for this guy? And he's not in the lineup. It makes no sense to me. But, anyways, James, let's look at now at our uh, NFL power rankings that you and I put together. Now, this is as it stands. Right now, before the season starts, you know this is where we think the teams are ranked. Do you want to go first or me?
2: I mean, I can go first. Do you want to just kind of do it by groupings? However you want to do it. I mean, we we could do it like in groups of four. That's fine. Uh, my my bottom four teams are Bears, Seahawks, Jags, and then Texans. I think the Bears are the worst team. I mean, if you look at their roster, it's putrid. It makes me want to throw up. I like Justin Fields, and I like Darnell Mooney, but nobody else on the roster other than Roquan Smith I like. Everybody else sucks. Okay. Tevin Jenkins is a potential, but we haven't seen him break out. So I am not impressed with it. Next four? Next four, it's Jets, Commanders, Lions, Falcons. I like what the Jets are doing. The jury's still out on Zach Wilson. So if your quarterback sucks, you can only go so far. And we have—they made some nice moves. They had three first-rounders this past draft, but we got to see what happens with it. Just because you have three first-rounders doesn't mean you're going to have three Pro Bowlers or three All Pros just from that. So I, I got to see more out of it. Commanders—they're they, just trending down. I don't like Carson Wentz. I've told you this before. Right. He's—he's—he's he's, he's a glass bones. Kirk Cousins—he gets injured all the time. I think his days are behind him you're probably just going to go to Taylor Haneke at some point and it's just going to be a back and forth thing. It's it's going to be awful. Antonio Gibson, they hate giving him the ball. He fumbles a bunch. I like Terry McLaurin, but the team overall, not See, impressed.
1: I agree. I disagree
2: completely on Carson Wentz. I think his best days are still ahead of him. But go on. I mean, I'm not I'm I haven't been impressed. He's put up decent He's put up nice stats. But when we're going to look at it at the end of the year, we're going to look at the win totals and overall stats compared to others. I'm not going to be impressed, especially with if we're going to look at the film and look at the highlights and look at the game film and be like, okay, cool, he threw it to Terry McLaurin. That was it. What else do you have? Lions, I like them a lot. I think they'll improve. I think they'll be six and eleven, maybe seven and ten. Just kind of depends. But the fact that they had six games last year where it was where it was within a touchdown or less. And then seven where it was less than 10 points. I mean, they're right there. They're right there. They can take that next step easily, and I think they could be more of a bottom 10 team than a bottom five team.
1: All right, who's next?
2: It's Giants, Panthers, Browns, and Vikings. I think the Vikings can do something. I just want to see it. I got to see Kirk Cousins do stuff when it really matters. Panthers Baker Mayfield could definitely take them to another level, but I haven't seen any chemistry with it yet. Giants, I like the potential that they have, but same thing with Zach Wilson. The Jury's still out on Danny Jones. Well, what's what's he going to do? And Browns, I mean, if the suspension holds up of at least six games, I can't expect them to win too many games. But if they're going to be out, if they're going to take Deshaun out for the whole year. I can't expect much from a Jacoby Brissett-led Browns team, even if they do have talent on both sides of the ball. That's fair. Uh, Next three, Titans, Colts, Steelers. I'm I'm very low on the Titans. You got Robert Woods coming back from injury, coming back from an ACL tear midway through the season. Your other receiver is going to be a rookie wide receiver who – can do something, but it usually takes at least a year unless you're like Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson or just somebody out of this world that just takes over their rookie season. I've never been huge on Ryan Tannehill. He is very efficient, but that's because he just hands it off to Derrick Henry 40 times a game and then just runs some play-action boots and takes it off himself sometimes because he's an athletic. He used to be a wide receiver. I'm not impressed with the team overall. I think Derrick Henry, this may be his last good season. He's going to recover from that from that foot injury, but overall they've run him to the ground the last four years, so I'm wondering at, sw- at some point what's going to happen. Colts. It'll be good. Steelers, the same thing. I, th- I think they'll be good overall teams, but when it comes down to it, Trubisky, Matt Ryan, Kenny Pickett, not the greatest quarterbacks. Good overall supporting cast, but I don't think they're going to go very far in the playoffs if they do make it as like a six or seven seed. Yep, because I think the Steelers will still have an overall above five hundred record because Mike Tomlin just somehow pulls that out of his you know what every time. Right. Don't know how he does it, but he does. It. He always does. Cowboys, like I said before, they'll go eleven and six, 12 and five, but just because they play the worst, they have the worst schedule uh, when it comes to strength of schedule based on last year. It's it's not good. You got rid of Amari Cooper, you're putting all your eggs in the baskets of Zeke and CeeDee Lamb. Especially with Michael Gallup going to be missing at least part of the season. Might be more. Might be half. Might be three-fourths. We don't know. They just got Anthony Barr. But for all we know, that could just be just another washed linebacker. It could be like a Sean Lee when you just have him at the tail end where he he just really doesn't do much because he's either just not on the field or he just doesn't produce. And then Dolphins, Pats, Cardinals, Ravens. Cardinals, I think they'll start off really well, but they'll peter out and be 9-8, and 10-7. They'll be on the lower end of the, of the wild card. Pats, I think they'll take a step forward. I just wonder who's going to take over on the offense when it comes to skill position-wise. I mean, you just got a bunch of receivers that are all at about the same level. Kendrick Bourne. You got Devonte Parker. You traded Nikhil Harry, which is good because he didn't do anything. But there, there's just no dominant guy in the and room. I say you got a bunch of mid-level receivers. Uh, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith are solid, but the running backs. Damian Harris had 15 touchdowns, but can you expect that again? Right. And I and I've been hearing about Ramondre Stevenson. I've been hearing good things. So it's like, what's going to happen with this offense? It's going to be good. They'll make the playoffs again. But team wise, uh so far, uh, I like them uh in the in the back in the back of the front half. Ravens, uh, they're gonna be more pass heavy because I mean you're most of your running backs are coming back from major injuries, that's why they missed all last year. And you only have Rashad Bateman out on the outside. You still have Mark Andrews, that's cool, but you got rid of Marquise Brown, so it's like who's stepping up? I like I like that Lamar is improving as a passer, but yeah. it's it's overall I, I expect the Ravens to be like a six or seven seed and more likely than not get bounced because he just doesn't have enough talent and we've heard for the last few years Greg Roman is just not a good schemer of getting receivers open. Like he just sucks at it. I don't know why he still has the job if that's the case. I don't know what's going on in Baltimore. It's weird. You got Lee on the defense, but when it comes down to it, he needs score points yep. and I don't. I don't. I don't think Lamar can do it by himself.
1: No, I mean they—they've proven that. They've proven that for the last couple of years that anytime you try to have Lamar do it by himself, it doesn't
2: end well. No, it. You need more people on the outside. and You just got rid of a guy that was on the outside. Yep. It's was like, what, what's going on? I don't. I don't. Of course, Marquise was the one that wanted to get out because he just didn't like it, but. I felt like if that was the case, I get it. You want to still be a running team. And he team. wanted to go
1: get arrested in Phoenix. but
2: I mean, it was a 30-day thing. But I think this is not a wash year, but it's just going to be another disappointment because you only make it to the first round of the playoffs, and then you get bounced. I have the Saints at 12 right now. I mean, it's a lot higher than what most teams have them. So I just think I want to see how Jameis and Mike and Chris yep. and Jarvis all look together. I want to see Adam Trotman take that next step forward. I want to see what it's like with Taysom not having to worry about maybe being a quarterback. It's like, look, you're going to have some snaps at QB, but that's just because we're going to run our Taysom Hill package where you just run QB power <laughs> or a read option, which more likely than not, you're just going to take yourself anyway. So it's good to see. I want to see what it's like also with the new safety room since you moved on from – Marcus Williams, and Malcolm Jenkins retired. So there's quite a few questions. Hella talent on the team. Just I want, I want to see what the chemistry is like. I still think they're better than the Bucs. I think they'll beat the Bucks twice, once again. It's just as of right now. Eagles, Chargers, Packers. Packers, I, it's just going to be a very conservative running the ball football team. You're going to get a talent Lazard, Lazard. You're going to get to Dubes and Watson, whatever receivers you just throw out there, but it's going to be more of an Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon type of offense where it's like we're we're going to take the pressure off of Aaron because it's like look, we don't have Devontae Adams anymore. We can't rely on just one guy and just toss it deep because he just gets thirty yards of separation every play. Yep, it, it's going to be a good overall team, but they may make it to the second round. I'm I'm not super impressed with it, but. As of right now, I, I think it'll be good. Chargers. I like the team. I love Justin Herbert. I just I'm not impressed with Brand, with Brandon Staley, their coach. I think they're under. I think they're gonna underperform by the end of the year, and you'll move on, and they'll be in the lottery for Sean Payton next year, because it's like, look, this this is your one opportunity. You haven't made the playoffs in very long. Last time was with Philip Rivers. Now you have the talented young QB. Let's take advantage while he's still young and getting somebody like Sean Payton. You need to go all out for. It. Yep. I don't. I'm not saying a tank this year, but I just think Brandon Staley is just gonna hold them back a little bit. And it's like, look, you're just gonna have to move on. Eagles. I think they take a step forward. Still wonder about some things like the linebacker room. What is going to happen? How how's the how's the development of Jalen Hurts? Being as a quarterback, and what's the chemistry like with him and AJ Brown? I think it'll be really good. I think they win the NFC East, but I think they make it to the second round, and that's it. 49ers, I don't know what to expect with Trey Lance. I've been hearing it so bad, but at the same time, they're looking to trade Jimmy G. What's going on? I don't I don't understand that. But they're always there. They have they're always a really talented roster and Shanahan's just always good at scheming people and make coming up with good plays to have their skill players be out in space and just get chunks of yards and score points. So you always gotta have them high. Bucks, only reason I have them higher is just because they're always higher at the moment, but whenever they play the Saints, they always lose. I'm high on the I'm high on the Raiders, Chiefs and Broncos. I think they'll all be eleven and six or twelve and five. I think they'll all have just amazing records. Bengals, I mean, they were just in the Super Bowl and they improved our offensive line. What do you expect? Rams, they just won the Super Bowl. I have them at two. And then the Bills, I I just expect them to just win the whole chip. So I have them at one. I'll roll through
1: mine quickly. Uh, Falcons last, Bears, Jags, Commanders, Seahawks, Texans, Jets, Lions, Giants, Titans, Browns, Vikings, Panthers at 20, Steelers, Patriots, Dolphins. I've got the Broncos at 16. Not feeling them yet. I like Russ. I like Jerry Judy. I like their receiving core. They got some solid pieces on defense. But again, like you said about a lot of those teams, I got to see it. So I'm not going to put them too high just yet. The Cardinals at 15, Colts, Cowboys at 13, Chargers at 12, Ravens at 11, Eagles 10. Seahawks, I mean Packers nine, Raiders eight. I have the Saints at seven, Niners six, Bucks five, Bengals four, Chiefs three, Bills two, Rams one. I think the Rams repeat.
2: I just worry about what that tendonitis is going to do with Matt Stafford.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a that that's definitely a, a logical thought process, but I mean at the same time. It's tendonitis and it's early. Tendonitis is, is pretty easily treated if you if you rest. So you rest him through the preseason. I think he'll be I think he'll be plenty ready to go come week one.
2: But then what happens at the end of the season, whenever it's like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, you're in the playoffs. He's gonna start maybe throwing some underthrown passes gonna be actually intercepted just, this time where Jaquis Guitar actually picks it and seals the game for the Niners.
1: You just got to find a treatment plan during the week that'll work for him. I mean there's there's ways to there's ways to manage that. So I, I don't know that that's a, a a huge area of concern for for the LA Rams especially with with a guy like Matthew Stafford. Once again game hotline 706-0111 if you want to chime in here in Acadiana watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and channel 133 on LUS Fiber. As a reminder, the Arneville Volunteer Fire Department is hosting a Black Pot Cook-Off Saturday, September the 10th. Cooking begins at 8, eating will start at noon, and it's at the Flower Auditorium in Arneville. Also, plenty of live music, including Gerald Grunig and Gentilly Zydeco, Dustin Saunier, and Sweet Cecilia. For more information, visit www.arnevillefire.org. Let's take a time out right here when we return We'll head out to Airline Drive in Metairie and hear from the Saints on yet another day of training camp as we get closer and closer to their first preseason game. And then at 5.30, Brendan Ertel will join us for Who Dat Wednesday. Here on the game, it's 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros
0: time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history August 10th 1975 Jack Nicklaus wins his fourth OGA championship at Firestone Country Club the Golden Bear defeats Australian Bruce Crampton by two strokes that was this day in sports history we now return to the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station
1: Welcome back in a crunch time with me guys a Mesh right here on the game. It's 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got a quote from Joe Espada, the Astros bench coach who is acting in the absence of Dusty Baker, who is recovering from covid was asked about the plan for Trey Mancini's usage. He said, right now, I know Dusty is big on getting everyone involved. We need every individual on this roster to perform and to help us win games. Right now, this is Dusty's plan. I think that's a cop-out excuse. If you were going to acquire a player that has been generational at the plate, In his career. Yes he missed the entire season. In 2020. Recovering from. Colon cancer. But in his career. He's got a career batting average. Of 270. He has 357 runs batted in. On 721 hits. With 120 homers. I mean you look at the season. Before he missed because of illness. He hit 291. With 35 homers and 97 RBIs. Now you can't tell me that that guy sitting on the bench helps you. Because it doesn't. Trey Mancini needs to be in the lineup 9 out of 10 games. You want to give him a game to rest every now and again? Fine. Go for it. Every guy needs rest. That's fine. Playing 4 out of his first 8... Is crap. Let's go to New Orleans now where the Saints met with the media yesterday. Dennis Allen spent some time talking about the development of tight end Adam Troutman.
2: You know, I think he's really developing himself
1: into that wide tight end role. Probably one of our more well-rounded players just in terms of blocking the perimeter, you know, blocking on the edge, and, and also being a threat in the passing game so i think you know i've I've seen some
2: improvement and 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 hopefully we'll continue to have that and i think one of the things why you see some of that is he's been healthy and been available throughout the off season now into training camp and and it's hard for some of these young guys that have injuries
1: to really make the improvement that you want to see him make and and he's been healthy and and i think that's why you're seeing some of that Taysom Hill also spent some time talking about Adam Troutman at the tight end position. Now that Taysom Hill is a member of that tight end room.
5: I, I would say aside from the quarterback room, and, and again, I haven't been exposed to other rooms, but I would say the tight ends are probably asked to do the most when it comes to mentally, physically, you know, they've got to put their hand in the, in the ground and block a defensive end, but then they're running a route against the safety or, you know, DB and so you're undersized in one element and then you're oversized in the other. And uh, there's so many different fronts and techniques. And, and, you know, you're expected to know all the different, you know, sets and, and what that looks like for you. And I would say Adam is a guy that we're all still learning. But I really respect, you know, his, his approach to the game mentally. And I, I think he understands it on so many different levels. Um, and his ability to translate you know being in the film room and drawing the Xs and Os and understanding it out on the football field is is very impressive. I would say that's what sticks out.
1: Paulson Adebo coming from that young defensive secondary spent some time talking about the challenges it takes a guarding a receiver like Michael Thomas.
3: Yeah, I mean just a big physical strong receiver catches everything, right? Is definitely going to challenge you uh... You know, on every play, right? Somebody who's going to compete on every play. So you love going up against him and you love to have him on your team.
1: The game clubhouse 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues because once you join the, once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score some excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse in Cypress Bayou, or a $50 gift certificate to a Bar and Grill, or even a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. The only way to score these great prizes is you have to become a member of the game clubhouse. How do you do that? 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. It takes about five minutes. So go sign up today. We'll take a short time out when we return. Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles will join us all the way from Corvallis, Oregon to talk Houdat Wednesday. You're listening to The Game. It's 103.7 Yet, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros
0: he's gonna go touchdown saints who's ready for some new orleans saints talk we are here is good at wednesdays with canal street chronicles brendan urtle on crunch time with Miguez and mesh
1: brendan urtle what's going on dude
0: what's going on guys
1: so i gotta ask you what's weather like today in corvallis oregon
6: um, probably not as nice as it's it's in New Orleans, I'll say that. I mean, I've heard it's been raining there, but, you know, the weather's just always uncomfortable here.
1: So what was what was the temperature today?
6: You know, I walk out in a sweatshirt and sweats because it's cold and rainy, and I come home dripping in sweat because it turns out to be 80 degrees. So, uh, it's just, it's just one of those states, you know?
1: This man's complaining about 80 degrees. It was 90... No, 90- it was 93 in South Louisiana today.
6: <laughs> well, I'd rather have that. I'd rather you know be prepared and pull up in some shorts and a t-shirt and not know what the weather is going to be like in 30 minutes.
1: I guess that's a fair point. I guess that's a fair point. All right, man. You know, camp today. Michael Thomas looking like his old self again. You know what? What stood out to you from from what you've seen?
6: I mean, it's pretty incredible what we've seen. You know, obviously, day one of camp, he showed up. We said Michael Thomas is back. Uh, we meant that, you know, in a few different ways. He is physically back, but now Michael Thomas is back, and you know, in a completely different way. You know, I'm not going to go as far as say like he's back in that form he once was, but it's the turnaround has been, I mean, I mean, insane. I was kind of worried on how fast or slow the ramp up would be from you know, the little bit he was doing to now, but, you know, they put him in a seven-on-seven, seven, they put him in a one-on-one. On one. Now he's doing more and more and more, and it, I was worried about, you know, does Jarvis need to pick up the slack a little bit? Does Alave need to pick up the slack, you know, earlier on in the season? But now it's like, Ivo Thomas is like, excuse me, I'm top dog, and it seems like he just left off where he, what he was, you know, a year ago, and it's 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 or two years ago, um, that sucks to say. But I mean, he's been dominant. It doesn't matter what quarterback's throwing the ball. I mean, Andy Dalton today, they were four for four, four touchdowns, and the catches he's making, you know, are the vintage Michael Thomas we're used to seeing. Um, you know, his game is all route running, planning, explosiveness, explosiveness in his routes, and you know, that's what I was worried about personally was can he still uh, beat people in those ways with that you know, with that ankle, and it seems like he wasn't even injured. So, obviously, he'll still take it slow. I don't know if there'll be any concerns with him playing week one, but I think if there was a game tomorrow that he'd play in it.
2: Now, Brendan, uh, I've seen you show your emotions about whenever Tyron was was out with his personal issues. Seeing, mm-hmm. seeing Jameis now having this right foot injury are you worried about it at all? It's only listed as day-to-day currently.
6: Mhm. Yeah, not I mean not overly worried. I was at first, you know, uh, we initially heard it was ankle and when you hear ankle combined with an ACL, it's not necessarily a good combination. Uh, then we got clarity it was the opposite foot, not the ankle, and he's day-to-day. Uh, the thing I like about Dennis Allen uh, compared to Sean Payton is he's going to give you the injury news straight up. He's not going to hide it. So if Sean Payton was here, I, I'd probably be freaking out a little bit because he wouldn't give us that day-to-day, you know, kind of terminology. But I don't think there's any real rush to get him back out there. If it's bugging him, you know, just just sit out. I mean, take mental reps and figure it out from there. But you know, if it comes to next week and the Saints which are probably in Green Bay and you know, he either doesn't make the trip or doesn't practice, then I'd be a little concerned because you do want to have him getting those reps with those guys. And, you know, I don't think there's any real concern at all for week one. But, yeah, like you said, it's it's more so about the chemistry and getting along with these guys and getting, you know, just that team atmosphere. But I think they've done enough where, you know, he can pick off where he left off three days from now or whatever it may be. But it's not something that I'm overly concerned with. Um, but we'll just have to see. I mean, he's missed, what, two practices, and um, the Saints' offense hasn't really skipped a beat. So, uh, I mean, that's why they brought in Andy Dalton. He's a veteran. He knows how to do it, so I'm not too concerned yet.
1: Brendan, the Saints bring in K.J. Costello as, you know, more likely than not a, a training camp body to kind of cover up the hole that Jameis Winston's leaving with that foot injury. What are your thoughts on that move, and what do you think he could provide to this team if he actually sticks around?
6: Um, I mean, a few things. It, it it was an it was an obvious move for them. You know, personally, I've been around a ton of practices, uh, college and NFL, and the thing is, with all these drills, with all these different competitive drills, and I mean, there may be second string, third team drills going on at the same time. You need quarterbacks throwing the football. And, you know, over these years, the Saints have had three or four, but now they're stuck with two. So there's just not a lot of, you know, people who can throw the football. I'm sure, Um, I mean, in many drills, they use the third or fourth string um, for, like, the defense to help them out. So K.J. is a guy who obviously uh, was in the USFL, played the Philadelphia Stars, was pretty good for them, Uh, spent some time earlier with us so he knows the playbook so he can get to it fast. I don't think he'll be ready. Uh, To play this week against the Texans, and I hope he doesn't because I would love to see, you know, a big sample size of Ian Book. Um, But you know, I think he's just a camp body that will be able to throw the football with a third team, and it leaves less reps for Andy Dalton and Ian Book, which right now is a good thing because it sounds like they're getting way too many of those, and you know, you start making mistakes and your body gets tired once you're throwing too much. So, don't really mind it too much, and I don't think he'll be. Well, I'll say this: I hope he's not around here for too long because that means Jameis isn't, you know, getting back uh, as quick.
1: Give me an injury update on Demarco Jackson. They placed him on injured reserve yesterday. What's the latest that you're hearing?
6: Uh, I mean, haven't heard a ton on him, but it. The main thing is, um, it sucks to lose him. It sucks to pretty much redshirt his freshman year um, in the NFL, and you know, hasn't really been any update yet. He could be, you know, seeking other options, seeking, you know, potential surgery or who knows what happened. But, you know, that it, that makes it a, a bigger concern for me just for the linebacker in general. You know, we had Pete Warner sitting out today with a groin injury, and that's something that really concerns me more so than, you know, a lot of other things is, you know, he started um, camp off to the side, worked his way back, practiced for a few days, and now he's back, off to the side and not practicing uh, with the groin, especially at that linebacker position with all the side-to-side movements. You know that that can be concerning. And you know I've seen people who have groin injuries. You know that's something that lingers, and that's something that you want to get fixed asap. You know if Pete Warner is going to miss, you know however long he misses with this with this injury, I'm concerned about the depth. and am concerned about the starter besides Demarau Davis, and that kind of. It goes back to the Kwan Alexander thing. I've had a bunch of people ask me like, uh, why did they bring back Kwan? It was more so uh Kwan choosing to get more playing time elsewhere. I think there was more of a special teams element and you know, a fill in slash role player for Kwan with this team and it, it brings up a question now, can they find, you know, a veteran guy that can add depth because they've already lost DeMarco, uh they've lost a couple other guys, you know, they bring in Chase Hansen who's with the team before so you know it was a position just a year ago where we we're saying like yeah we have a ton of depth and i'm confident in it and now it's you know a question mark for sure and i think they definitely need to explore the trade market and free agency but you know i don't think it's as severe where you go out and get you know like a roquan smith kind of thing i think you know at the end of the day Pete will be okay you just can't rely on him uh you, you need some depth for sure
1: Brendan Ertel of Canal Street Chronicles joining us for Who at Wednesdays. Brendan, first preseason game of the season is Saturday against the Houston Texans. What are your expectations for this first game?
6: You know, it, it's it's interesting because I went back and looked at you know Sean Payton, um, his time here in preseason games, and you know, I, for the most part, practices and everything's been pretty much the same. Um, you know, Dennis sounds a little bit more laid back, a little bit more chill. Uh, so I am interested to see you know who plays who doesn't I assume you know the Mike Thomases the Tyre Matthew um, Ryan Ramchek guys like that probably won't play in this one um, even guys like Cam Jordan I know he, he'll probably want to play he never likes to take time off I don't think we'll see him um, but you know you never know with a new coach new system or not new system but new coaching staff um, they like they might be like they may like to do other things. You know, I was looking at the Raiders this past week um, and they started a good chunk of their starters. You know, obviously Josh Jacobs started and some of their D linemen started. So you just never know. Um, Maybe you would get a drive with the starters just, it, and that's the thing that Dennis Allen's been asked every single day. Does he have a plan for the preseason game? And he's always like, no, we haven't got to that yet. So I'm sure that he doesn't really even know what he wants to do. I'm sure he has an idea, but you know, what I like to see is I like to see Ian Book and, you know, honestly, the bottom half of that wide receiver group. I'd love to see, you know, lots of playing time for those guys because that, that race at the bottom, bottom of the wide receiver room is so, so close. And, you know, someone needs to kind of break away and, you know, get that last couple roster spots there.
2: Yeah. And Piggy, backing off you talking about who you think would play and who won't, like, we're probably not going to see the established guys like Ramchek or Jordan, but. Mm-hmm which veterans do you think are going to play where it's like okay I want to see what you can do in a Saints uniform?
6: you know that's interesting and the the I'll go back, I'll go back to the Raiders game when Josh Jacobs played no one expected that and you know most of the Raiders established starters sat um so you have to go look at the Saints roster maybe there's positions out there that you know they're fighting for a roster spot or fighting for a starting spot so you know I'd go back to maybe we see a lot of Hurst And then a lot of penning. That could be a spot where, you know, those two guys play most of the game. Uh, Landon Young as well. Um, He's chalked in at the second right tackle spot. Can he, you know, probably won't see Ranchick. Can he play out most of the game and solidify that spot? Um, Another position is a Debo, I think. You know, I think he's probably the starter right now, but there's tons of competition. You know, you got CJ with his. Situation that's going on. You got Bradley Roby playing great, great football. So, I mean, there's tons of positions out there that you could see uh, maybe a few series here and there for Roby and guys like that. But the guys I'm really looking at is the interior offensive line. Does Cesar Ruiz play a lot? And if he does, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Um, probably won't see a lot of Pete. I think he's, you know, established, regardless of how you feel about him, has he established. Um, his spot long-term. Uh, Eric McCoy, I think he sawed, And I think the main spot to watch in this next game is the running back position, because probably won't see Kamara or Ingram. So, who kind of pulls away if running back three? It just cut Malcolm Brown. So, sounds like Tony Jones has had a good couple past couple weeks. So, uh, it'd be interesting, one, to see who starts at running back, and two, who gets most of the carries and who plays the best. So, Running back, probably the one I'm circling and looking forward to the most.
2: Yeah, and when it comes to like Caesar Ruiz and Andrews Pete, that one does intrigue me since we are wondering is Caesar going to finally take a step forward after this? This is going to be your third year of being at guard and not having to worry about center this this much anymore. Now I'm I we're all big on fantasy football. Mm-hmm. I I know what Matt's looking at when it comes to Saints players, but I'm wondering. Who are you looking at to target in fantasy football for your team in your draft, and about what round are you looking to take them?
6: You know, I was just looking at that because my, my drafts are coming up. Um, I saw Michael Thomas, his average draft position was 149. I think that's ridiculous, regardless of his injury. Um, he should be taken way before that. I think, you know, if he's 100% or 80%, I still he's he gets his targets. He gets those 8 to 10 targets a game, probably, you know a good majority of the touchdowns, but another guy is, you know, Olave. I think he is a big play guy, and more more so like the 10- or 12-person leagues, I think that's a better fit for him. Just because Olave fits what Jameis does so well, um, you know, earlier on in the season he might, you know, full send some deep passes to Olave because that's what he's comfortable with, and Olave's proven that he can do that. Um, you know, M.T. and Jarvis are guys that will be, you know, the classic chain movers and whatnot. And, but that's not what Jameis likes to do. He, he will do it, um, not what he loves to do, which is fine. But I think Olave, uh, last time I checked, he wasn't even getting drafted in most of the leagues. So um, I think that's a good value spot at the end of the draft. Why not take a shot on him? And I think Kamara is falling too far in the first and second round. Um, as it stands right now, I mean – you're worried about the suspension, but I think it's a risk you take. If you, I mean, if you're picking 10, 11, 12, um, and Kamara's still there, that, I mean, that's a top-four guy. You're getting at 12, he's not suspended. So even if he is, you know, can you survive for three to four weeks or however long it would be? So I think those are the main guys, and everyone else is kind of a wild card.
1: Brendan Erdl should probably join the Crunch Time League. Just, <laughs> you know, just throwing that out there. One last question for you, Brendan. Our poll question of the day today was: Give me your favorite football movie of all time. So, what's yours?
6: Oh, favorite football movie? Um, you know, The Blind Side was really good. That, that was one of the first ones I've seen. Um, gosh, well, what was some of the what was some of the top?
1: Remember the Titans, the longest yard any given Sunday. Uh, a couple people said Varsity Blues
6: okay i mean all all solid movies i I like the blind side the most because uh i feel like they incorporate you know college football well you mean ed o's runs in it nick saban's in it i think they do a cool job kind of showing the recruiting process and it may seem like ridiculous at times but you know teams get ridiculous for these kind of players so i think it's just cool to see that and uh a true story is pretty cool too as well so I think The Blind Side's been one that I've watched the most, and I, that's probably my favorite right now, honestly.
1: Best line from that movie was when uh, he blocks the kid over the wall, and he says, "Michael, where are we taking that boy? <laughs> T- to the bus, coach? It's time for him to go home.
6: That's Trevor Penning. <laughs> right, right.
1: Very, very accurate there. Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. Appreciate you each and every week,
0: my man, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
6: Yep. See you guys next week.
0: Tune in next week for another edition of Hoot at Wednesdays here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh.
1: Welcome back. It's Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. It's one zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, it's Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh got just a few seconds left in today's show. I want to take this opportunity to thank Matt Eumanns of v as well as Brendan Ertel of Canal Street Chronicles. Final look at the poll question. Favorite football movie? 43% of you say remember the Titans. 18% say Friday Night Lights. 18% say any given Sunday. And we got a bunch, a bunch of comments. Probably the most we've ever gotten on a poll question. There's 12 of them on Twitter. So, appreciate you being Interactive on this Wednesday tomorrow. I can already tell you what's going to happen. It's Cajun's Corner with Jay Walker, and then at 5.30, JT Crabtree, the radio voice of the South Alabama Jags, give us a preview of the Jaguars before they make the trip into Cajun's country. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.